Welcome to the Bourbon Library, hosted by the Bayless Brothers. A spirited conversation always served neat as barrel proof of our family bond. Grab a glass. The episode starts now. Okay, so you read an article. Yep, about allocated spirits. In Wine Enthusiast. Allocated bourbon, rather. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Well, allocated whiskey. They brought brought up some rice. No, but I don't know if it was from Wine Enthusiast. It's from Wine Enthusiast. Okay. So, yeah, I read the article about... <laughs> I was like, I don't know if that... I thought it was like Wine Mag or you, something. You just got to sound out You gotta, you gotta sound yeah. out the letters. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what, what it was from, but yeah, it was just it was just someone writing about allocated uh, whiskey, which is mostly just bourbons. Yeah. Uh, and it's mostly from the Sazerac Company. They're the ones doing the majority of the allocated stuff. Well, that's the... Which so own, the three, they own Buffalo Trace. Yeah, but the yeah. so the three tiered system is like uh, there's the producers, the distributors, and the the us, the consumers. Yeah. Um, the and it's, the three, so it's not Sazerac. They're the producers. They're not creating the allocations. The distributors. Right, because it's illegal for a producer to to allocate a product. I think. I'm, I don't know. I'm fairly yeah. certain. Correct me if I'm wrong. Hello at the Bayless Brothers. <laughs> yeah, we also have a Bourbon Library Pod Gmail. Yes. Oh, I would good. Prefer people to email. Yeah, Alec is sick of getting weird emails. With well, the I don't get those. At the Bayless Brothers. Yeah. I was like, um, so you're wrong. So here we are. We're living in a world in which there is a three-tiered system based off of uh, post prohibition. Yep. These were rules that every state uh, created their own version of, but they're they're all kind of similar um, in, in that there's a middleman between the person who makes the stuff and the person who buys the stuff. Yep. And they can't. you can't go between those. Right. So you have to go through the system. So something like Empire Rye, our documentary, they were they had to create new licenses because they needed, like, a lot of craft places need the ability to sell their product without a Directly. distribution, you know, direct to consumers either at their distillery, which they weren't allowed to do initially, or at farmer's markets and other right. stuff like that. Right. Um, Allowing the producer to sell it to the consumer and not go through a distributor was do you, huge. Is there a good reason in your mind... For there to be, uh, we'll come back to the allocation part of this, but for a distributor to exist. <laughs> yes, yeah. So say you're a, a small producer in the tip of Florida, mm-hmm. and you have people in the in Seattle that want your product. Yeah. And you can send all of it at once to this distributor, and they will th- use their current network to give it to everybody, all, everyone in their network. So that makes them both very useful and also very powerful. And great to grow your business. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, but. <laughs> <laughs> how do the people in Seattle ever find out about your product if you can't sell it directly from the... Like, the only way is going to get word of mouth or... Because marketing is a little confusing with spirits, yeah. but if someone is visiting Florida on their yeah. family vacation from Seattle yeah. and they see a local distillery that they want to go have an experience at yeah. and they want to taste it at that distillery yeah. and they can't, yeah. the chances know. of them buying a bottle without tasting it, yeah. gambling that money just at a liquor store, being like, yeah. this is local Florida whiskey. I wouldn't personally do yeah. that unless I tasted it and had an experience and then yeah. I fly back to Seattle. And now I, I'm someone in Seattle who wants a Florida whiskey. Yeah. So I don't know if Florida has... I'm not sure what the Florida law is as far as... I was as just like, thinking of farthest away yeah, possible places. Yeah. Um, so their state... Yeah, like I said, it's state, it's state to state sort of how these rules work. So uh, what I think is beautiful and what's happened in New York State with craft is there's a hybrid, right? You, ha- you can have distribution, but you can also sell it... Uh, 
to a consumer directly as a producer with certain licenses, um, which is important part of, like you said, ground game, building your brand, and also, like, what makes a distillery more than a factory. It makes it a destination. Yeah. Which yeah. is really important. Allocated <clears throat> bourbons. So the issue is, from my understanding, it is illegal and uh, federally, I believe, to, and, and like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but it is illegal federally to allocate a product. And so when this first started happening, I, not first started happening, when I first started taking note of this, I was like, it's sort of weird that bourbon gets this like loophole. But I think if I understand the loophole is the distribution company, that they can basically reward their favorite liquor stores. Well, it's not a loophole as much as they're allowed. Yeah, I don't, it's sort of quietly done. Yeah. From my understanding. Yeah. Like it's, everyone knows it, but it's not like, yeah, so like uh, the big stores are. Incentivized, mm-hmm. then that's that. I think that's step two. It's like step one is like it has such a high demand that they can only give certain amounts. Mm-hmm. They have to say, okay, only everyone can only have 10 cases because everyone wants one, so we have to limit you all to three. You can't all have as much as you want. It's an argument for fairness, is what where they're first coming from initially, but then it's but also then what a yeah, what a great way to to make sure like if you sell X amount of boxes of our worst stuff, yeah. Then we'll give you more of the allocated stuff that right. you want. Right. So it to me and they, you know, distributors could the they could be incentivized by their bosses yeah. to push uh, more stuff to meet a sales goal is what sure. someone in the article was quoted saying. Yeah. So something that's interesting to me that I was thinking about uh, from that article is that uh, they're not always the most expensive premium. Uh, bottles, like for example, Old Granddad One Fourteen is allocated. Yeah, that's a twenty-five dollar, thirty-dollar bottle of bourbon. Yeah, um, but it's allocated, and so <clears throat> right in so, in some states, not everywhere. But and I, what I find fascinating, and I get I get it at a basic level, but there's something deeper to it, which is like this obsession with allocation and allocated bourbons. Like somehow you're getting a better bourbon when you buy an allocated bourbon, and you're not. It's just really about the, how much they're producing. Yeah, well, it's connected with rarity and unicorn. Yeah, which the, is an the obsession. word allocated just means I have this rare bourbon that's yeah. harder to get than anyone. Than and I get to tell somebody else, "Hey, look, you don't have this. I have this." Yeah, or I found. You know, it yeah. goes back to it's just it's collecting. One hundred and one. It's collecting. Yeah. yeah, which you can you could apply that to anything. Yeah, um, and I feel like it's it's very human nature. Uh, it's an aspect of human nature to collect. Yeah. Uh, not all of us do it mm-hmm. to the same degree. Yeah, but it's not like an abnormality, and it makes sense. and And the industry has to love it because yeah. it means people are buying it not just to keep up with their consumption, but just to have it. It also means that, which is crazy. There can the unicorn <laughs> concept's interesting because it can also mean that you can something could surprise you. The algorithm could get broken. You could say, like, hey, we have this allocated Eagle Rare, and only certain people have it in certain states or whatever. Uh, but another product could come from the masses, where the people are like, no, I really want that, and it's hard to get. And so there could be surprise unicorns, yeah. which I think is, like, what is actually drives some of this stuff. There's um, that as well, yeah. yeah like, so- the secondary market, I think, would be where that stuff gets sort of exploited the most. Mm-hmm. Um, explain the secondary market. Well, so after it's sold to the consumer, people flip those bottles right yeah. away. So one of the most allocated uh, groupings of bourbon is is BTAC, Buffalo Trace Antique 
right. uh, collection. Yeah. And that comes out every year. Uh, this past year, it didn't have Stag Junior or Stag. Or the main Stag, yeah. the big Stag, big boy. Was that the one that yeah. it didn't have? Yeah. So it didn't have that part of the collection, but it still has like the Thomas Handy and the uh, mm-hmm. Eagle Rare 17 year and, and whatever else is in that collection. That gets purchased at like, like people will buy that and flip that. Yeah. Um, and that's. And there's basically an an unregulated stock market that's happening that people can follow. I didn't realize this, and I don't use these websites, but, like, I know Kyle from the podcast does. Uh, You can track and, like, follow the rise and fall of value of the secondary market products. Oh, I I just use, like, I'll use the Booze app. Yeah. uh, Which should be a sponsor of this show, but that (laughs) says, like, a fair price and then MSRP. So, like. Because no, that is the the and I don't know what they use to to get the fair price. I think it's uh, the uh, people who use it their their input uh, yeah. collectively. But um, yeah, I just look at that because then I always sort of make my own judgment on MSRP and what how much money I have and what value I put on that specific yeah. bottle. It's kind of a personal choice. Yeah, I think that's. I see people on Facebook debate all the time. Like someone will say, "Hey, I got this and I paid this for it," and people will be like screw you you're an idiot i get it in my state for this price and it's just like it's none of it's really worth it because it's all dependent on what you value and if that bottle special to you you might have a personal right. experience you know your your uh you know your dog died and that was the bottle the last bottle you had with so you do anything to have that bottle or or your you want that bottle with a certain date cuz that's the date your kid was born like yeah. there's other things that people bring that value themselves so right. um, they would pay different prices for it but it's it's such a personal choice how much do you think the allocated bourbon's marketplace is manipulated by outside forces beyond the producer and oh, maybe beyond. and maybe the producer as well well the stores sell it at, at secondary price a lot too yeah. so it's it's not like you're if you go to a store you're going to get it at MSRP i feel like it's yeah, unless the, you're in certain states like ohio right and, and it's like the other way around almost. It's like the secondary market is influencing the the, yeah. the retail. Right. Because stores know – I think stores don't want to leave money on the table and they feel like, all right, if you're going to buy this for me for, for MSRP and turn around on a marketplace to, yeah. to, to what would be my consumer in this yeah. community is now your consumer buying it at three times the price because yeah. they couldn't get it at my store. So you um, want to feel cheated. So, um, yeah, you feel like you're leaving money on the table and also maybe cheated a little bit. And that's where these stores to try to recreate the fairness that was initially yeah. uh, attempted to be instilled was like, they'll, that's where you get the lotteries. And that's right. where you get the raffles. And yeah. that's where you get... Uh, my favorite thing is a store that will... It's like the Easter egg. They'll, they'll hide it somewhere in the store. Yeah. For you to just happen upon. Yeah. It won't be like, here's seven of these well or 12 years in a row. It's like, there's one over here, there's one over there. Like They spread them out a little bit. And slowly place them out. They yeah. don't put a whole case. Our liquor store guy that I go to said, he's like, you just got to ask me. You just got to <laughs> ask me. I'm yeah. like, well, do you have this or that? He's like, yeah, I have it. Why didn't you say anything? <laughs> I'm like, because I just came and I looked at your shelf yeah. and it wasn't there. And oh. I don't want to have to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, and you can see... Uh, one thing that's currently spiking is um, Russell's 13 year. Yeah. Is the price is outrageous. Yeah. I'm seeing people get this bottle, and I just it's become like a social bragging right. Totally, I think. I just can't get behind that bottle because 
when I break it down, like, doesn't really matter what it tastes like. For me, like, a 13-year-old Russell's yeah. is cool, but, like, you can get a 13-year-old whiskey. For yeah. Yourself. Like, and, and the more we learn about whiskey, age is, like, there's such a sweet spot that after a certain point, unless it's a very specific whiskey, you're going to get so much oakiness. Except and for Elijah Craig 18, which... Well, 18 can be fine, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's, maybe that's well, not there's that There's ebbs long. and flows in these time periods. Um, and, and 18, I don't... The price makes sense. They've been taxed through the free... As we've discussed in the last few previous episodes, they've been taxed through the roof. Like, go ahead and charge. Yeah. To, to, you know, put that onto the consumer, I suppose. Um, well, yeah. See, that's the craziest thing about the actual liquid we're drinking. It's value to lit, like to actually create it mm-hmm. is so much lower than we're paying. Like, yeah. just if, especially if you're talking about specifically whiskeys from Kentucky that yeah. get those those taxes during the maturation of the product. Yeah, and then the secondary market after yeah. that. But for, well, I guess the stores say you pay. 20% over what the MSRP is at a, a store, and then it gets flipped, so that person's paying 40% higher. I mean, it's like by the time you're drinking it, like I saw a price the other day for Russell's 13, it was like $800 or something. Didn't Craig, our friend Craig, who sometimes on the show, uh, said... He saw it for $170. $170, that's a good price, actually. Yeah, like, jump on that. But yeah. then it's like, but is that really the value of it? Yeah, that's a whole other... There's and again, you go back to like value for you. Yeah, yeah. value is personal. It's what you you put on it, allocated or not. You know, I could see, uh, you know, old granddad. If old granddad a twenty dollar bottle, not even the one fourteen, but the bonded, mm-hmm. suddenly was selling for sixty five dollars, I might still consider it sometimes. Because I love that that bottle means something to me. Mm-hmm. It just does. It has personal significance. So I might pay a little more to have that on my shelf. Because it means something. Yeah. Um, but then there's like that nugget of you that knows that it could what be it, cheaper. It could be a $20 bottle. Yeah, but I mean, I know Antique 107 could be a $45 bottle. Yeah. It's, it does cause hesitancy when I'm presented with an opportunity to buy at certain prices where I'm like, nah, mm-hmm. I've gotten it for 45 or whatever. I'm not, I don't need to do something else. But I don't know. I think that we. I understand. Distribution companies being good for small uh, producers, obviously, and and for, for making big sure producers. for big producers too. I understand distribution is an important part of the, the process, uh, but the folks that hold on tight to this three tier system, like it was designed by God in the Ten Commandments, uh, I don't know. I think that you got to really look at it a little deeper, and it does. Uh, as we were told by a lobbyist, you know, uh, there's a liquor store. That benefit that has a relationship with the distribution companies in every small town. So you have big, lobbied uh, distribution companies with a lot of power, and you also have ma and pa liquor stores, and they're working together. And you don't want to disrupt the ma and pa liquor stores to fight these big, strong distribution companies. So, um, and that's from the producer perspective. So I understand why it's a complicated issue. Well, and also the, from. The distributors aren't making, like, they can incentivize sales of other products, but yeah. they're not—they're also not making the profit from those flipped bourbons. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, well, I was just reading about, so the liquor store did this. It's such a multifaceted, like, problem. A liquor store wouldn't, I just read something, they wouldn't let somebody, they'd let somebody buy an allocated liquor, or an allocated whiskey, I forget which one, uh, if they bought a handle of vodka. Yeah. 
Yep. And it's yeah. like, man, you hear that story. That happens a lot at stores, and it's like because they need to sell the product on behalf of the distribution company to say, mm-hmm. hey, we had good numbers on that shitty vodka. Yeah. Uh, so make sure you give us the good stuff. And uh, you know, I don't think a consumer should be faced with this complex issue to buy shit they don't want yeah. to get stuff they do. That's I don't want to go to liquor stores like that. No. I don't want that relationship with as a consumer with with the products that I want to buy. Well, put it on something else. Like, look, if you go to a mattress store, and they're like, yes, we can have the that's the mattress you want, and uh, it's for a pretty good price. But you also have to buy this shitty mattress. Yeah, and it's like, well, in my house, I only have room for one mattress. Yeah. Like, well, do you want and the mattress or not? So I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Just throw it like. Yeah. Give it away, like now I. Yeah. Yeah, it's just putting more onto the consumer, but that's yeah. like the when I went to the liquor store recently and I said I was holding a bottle and he, he told me how much and I was like that's too much. He just like grabbed it out of my hand and went well then fine you don't want it and like <laughs> went and put it back and then when he did that I was like but now I want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now I want it more. Yeah, I know. That it's... was a good trick you just pulled. Yeah, I feel like until the three tiered system is sort of dismantled and the the. I say give power to the producers. They can, I mean, if they're if they're empowered to create their own distribution outlets, well, not that like their own trucks, their own delivery, and they can work with Ma and Pa liquor stores across the country. That could be obviously it's not established networks, but liquor stores will have will be incentivized to reach out to producers as well. Well, here's what I think, and referring back to that article, here's what's really going to happen outside of all that. The reason something's allocated in the first place is because there's not enough of it to get to to give right. everyone as much as they want. Yeah. And with whiskey, that in theory is true. Yeah. For if you want a six year bourbon, you have to age it for six years. Yeah. So you can't just make fill that gap tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Like with that's why it doesn't happen in vodka. Right. Uh, and other things that you can make quickly in gin. So it's like. But you see that all these big companies are ramping up production. That amount of whiskey will hit a peak. Yeah. And it will be connected with brown spirits going out of favor. Yeah. And we will, the prices will basically, it'll, it's We're a matter of. a lot of whiskey that's yeah. going to be cheap. A lot of good whiskey that's yeah. cheap. Because there'll be so much of it and people will not be as drawn. They'll, it'll ebb and flow. It's, we, everyone says it's a cyclical I know that there's industry a- and. There's a, a listener right now nodding their head, being like, "I can't wait for that." Yeah, <laughs> like bring it on. Yeah, but we don't know when Uncle, that's gonna Uncle be. Uncle Timmy, I'm looking at you, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> but we don't know when that's gonna be. So, yeah. uh, and we we want it now. We want it now. We don't want the industry to fail either. So no, it's like, uh, but uh, but listen, I don't want to pay out. hundreds of dollars for bourbon either. Uh, and you know, there's good wine out there. There's good other spirits. Like people will shift gears if they're paying too much. Um, the last thing I want to say about the distribution relationship is I do recognize that, you know, going back to what you said, it is important that craft companies have a chance to connect in areas they might not be able to connect with. And an established network does that. I get that. I understand that. So, you know, I don't know. There's got to be some some way we we shouldn't be following prohibition post prohibition laws Mm-mm. like like I said like they're the word of God. It just doesn't. It's 2022. Prohibition was a long time ago, mm-hmm. like almost 100 years ago. Yeah. So it's probably time we re look at some of these systems and say like, what can we do to really empower this industry and empower craft to do uh, innovative stuff? Yeah, and how everyone can. 
still benefit, you know. It's and not- if you want to chase a unicorn, chase a unicorn. Uh, but for me, I'm I'm almost always going to find a bottle on the shelf that I want. Yeah, well, that's the other side <laughs> of it is that uh, you can. There's always good whiskey there. Yeah, that's there to buy. So yeah. Don't don't not buy something else because you're waiting for that freaking white whale. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, hey. Nice chatting with you, Al. You too. This Al. is this is the Bourbon Library. I'm Ryan Bayless. I'm Alec Bayless. And to drink is to live. All right. We'll see you next time, folks. Be good to one another. Thanks for listening to our show. If you like what you heard, kindly take the time to rate and review our show wherever you're listening. It will help us grow and make more episodes. Remember to follow us on Spotify and tell your friends about the Bourbon Library. Do you have a bourbon you think we should try? Let us know and we might just feature it on a future episode. And we'll be sure to give you a shout out. If you're listening from Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcasts, turn on those notifications so you know when we drop a new episode. All right, bourbon lovers. Until next time. To drink is to live.